I swear these other podcasts are just a waste of time. I'm skipping through them. I'd rather listen and change my mind. Wes and Nick always help me through my daily grind. Your favorite guys, your favorite lines, change my mind. I swear these other podcasts are just a waste of time. I'm skipping through them. I'd rather listen and change my mind. Wes and Nick always help me through my daily grind. Your favorite guys, your favorite lines, change my mind. Yeah. So we got another bonus episode for you guys. We got another guest. This guy wrote the YouTube original hit series, Escape the Night. He's done quite a bit of other work. But today, we're talking about a bit of a passion project for him. He wrote the graphic novel, The Eighth, with Joran Evers as his artist. And I do want to ask about that later, Adam. But this is Adam Lawson. Thanks so much for joining the show today. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me on. This is really cool. Um, obviously, you, you know, this is a passion project of mine, so it's fun to get a chance to share it with people so yeah i mean and and, and i it, passion project and you, and you did very a very good job with it. i've already had the chance to read it and i will be reviewing it for the site you can imagine now that i'm going to be uh writing a favorable review but the first thing <laughs> that, that jumps out to me is you you you're writing and you're directing hit series i mean i saw all the views i i had not watched escape the night previously i'm going to now but i mean a lot of people have watched it i saw the numbers and yeah, yeah, a lot of people watch the show. It's it's a it's a fun thing, you know. Like, yeah, you know, I get probably a dozen to forty DMs a day, and I'm just the guy behind the camera, one of my stars, you know, of fans bringing things up, and it's it's fun to be a part of something that really connected with people more than anything else, right? That like kids, this is their summer, you know. And I, anyways. yeah. So when it came to to writing that versus writing the eighth. I would, which one was more complicated? Which one was more challenging for you? I'm curious. You know, you know, it's interesting because with, with Escape Tonight, I was writing a, a, a television genre and, and we did it in a format that, that is fully brand new. Um, it's, it's this really unique format where there's sequences of it are improvised and there's real time pieces and it's this, you know, fantasy horror world. Um, and so it was very much, uh, I was writing my own rules and the network kind of just said, hey, I, I don't know how this really works. So I can't really give you notes. So I hope it doesn't suck. That, that was literally like kind of <laughs> early comments. Like you're probably going to fail. So no notes, just go forward. So um, and it didn't. Uh, and then it worked out to be their, 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 you know, their longest running show. And so, um, but I think, you know, for the comic, I think it was, is, is, is a much more personal story, I think. And it's much more intimate in the, the struggle and it it um whereas escape night gets to be much more fun and it's so fantastical um mm -hmm. there's maybe not as much vulnerability so i think in that way like emotionally sitting there staring at the page yeah. as you do as a writer you when you have that moment when it's just you in the blank page mm -hmm. um it, it you had to go to a more vulnerable place right uh, to, to bring this out so when, I, when you sent me the information over about the 8th, um, and it, all of it can be found on Indiegogo, and we'll be giving everybody the information at the end of the episode too as well for anybody who wants to um, contribute to the campaign and get in on the fun. The, 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 you have that video, and I think that's on Instagram and everything too, right, the video? Yeah, okay. that's right. So I, I, you know, I just watch it before I read the story, and instantly I'm like, this is, like you said, it's, it's a passion project. It's more personal and everything. But even before you're telling me this stuff in that trailer – I can tell right away there's, there's gotta be something here that there's gotta be something more to Adam's like inspiration to this story. I'm curious, what, where is this rooted from? Yeah. You know, so there's, there's kind of two things that floated on my mind. One is I, I had this thought always. Um, and I, and I was, <clears throat> I was watching a, a superhero film, uh, one of the 
the big Marvel ones. And there was this moment where this, you know, super powered strength man punched a guy. He flew across and maybe 15 or 20 feet and he hit a wall. And then, you know, he got back up later and everything was fine. Mm -hmm. And you think about the strength of this character who could also lift the tank. If you hit a man at full force and you also had the strength to lift a tank, they would never get back up. Right. In fact, you would put your hands through them, really, you know, what was what happened from a physics standpoint. But <clears throat> those films, um, they lie about that. They lie about the consequence of that much power, right? Oh, okay, yep. Be, be, because, so that way it can be fun, mm -hmm. right? They can punch a guy and knock him through a building and he's fine. Or he's just unconscious. Would really, you would be as dead as can be, right? And so, and I, and I thought about that and I was like, there's something that's happening here where they're, they're showing a violence without the consequence for the violence. And, um, and I thought, you know what? If really you were, you know, there's reference off Spider-Man, if you were really a 16 year old boy with the strength to lift the tank, uh, and you punch somebody in an anger and you were desperate and you didn't quite know the consequences of, his, of it, you do something that you would certainly regret forever. Right. And so I, I think that was the thought that first came to me that I was like, what's that story, right? What happens when Peter Parker goes to stop the mugger and he actually breaks his neck instead because he's a 16 year old. Yeah. And he, he actually isn't experienced in combat and he doesn't really know the power he's got. But the power is, is that much more than regular. People aren't really, they don't know how to manage that kind of power. Mm. And so, <clears throat> so that was the first thing. And so then I thought, you know, I, I want to tell this story about um, that. Somebody who, when they get the power, they don't realize the consequences of it. Uh, and when they, when they use violence as a, as a method, right? And then the second thing I, I, I often thought, of, I thought about is that, you know, I love, you know, that, that, People, you know, have a superpower in, in a story and then <clears throat> it becomes part of their fabric of how they command things, such as Superman or, or, or um, Spider-Man. They're making decisions and they're, you know, living with this power real time. And so it's the other part of it. Like, but how do they communicate with their power in a way that makes sense? And that's what came up with the idea that, that David communicates to his power through the language of math, mm -hmm. right? And it seems like, you know, that, you know, my father was a scientist and I always kind of had a love of it, you know, that math is kind of a language of the universe. And it's like his real gift is that he's an unbelievable, you know, millennium math problem solving genius living in a town where people don't appreciate it or understand it. <clears throat> and so like, even you'll see in the book, you know, like when you'll communicate with the armor, like the, the thought bubble or the thought text is a thermodynamic equation. Um, <clears throat> and so, I think that that was like the way to make it real. Uh, you know, there was going to be real consequences for his power and he was going to have to then um, use something real math to, to communicate with it. Okay. And then I think kind of the, the third thing that, that, that hit me was I, you know, for, you know, and I escaped that I do so much research on like myth, mythical experiences and worlds. And I've been toying around with this, this with Sumerians forever. And I thought, you know, how can I tie his power now into something that's real, but ancient enough that, you know, the records aren't verifiable, right? There's a, I mean, what do right. the, really the Sumerians up to? We don't really, we can't, we can't really verify it. So I thought, let's do that. And then that tied us into the, 
you know, Noah's flood and um, it tied us into, um, you know, later in the stories, there's some Arabic characters that come into the play um, because of um, um, essentially, you know, when Noah's family got on the boat, um, there were some people that were left out. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of those characters is uh, a part of Arabic um, religions and, and, and myths. And so that, you know, some of that comes around. And so that, you know, and so then, so then I said, now how can I get all those together? And I don't know why those thoughts necessarily all three felt like they were friends, um, but they are. Um, gotcha. So. Yeah. Okay. So, so then you kind of answered, that was my other, my kind of goes along with my other question when you're talking about what happens when the kids don't necessarily, well, when someone young gets these powers, they're not necessarily always going to be able to control themselves. And, and to me, when I was, when I was thinking about what inspired this story, the first, the thing that jumped out to me was, okay, I know we see it where people get these powers and then they want to help everybody else as much as they can, of course. But with, in this case, it's not just with David that he wants to help, help everybody else. He wants to change the world. And I felt right. like that was, I mean, that, that was done deliberately, right? You, like there's, there's right, an right. accident. Yeah. What, so what That's was right. the de- decision with that where it's like, I'm going to change the world and make it be the way I want it to be as opposed to I'm going to help as many people as I can. Right. I, I think, I, I think I had this, when I was 13 years old, our, our next neighbor, and she was a good friend of my sister, sister's and a friend of mine, she committed suicide. And, and, okay. um, and I remember being there in, the, in my house with my sisters crying and my parents crying and, you know, I have five sisters. So there's a lot of crying and, and I was there just stunned. I, I didn't know what to do or how could I fix this thing that's completely unfixable, right? Yeah. She's, uh, she's, not, she's not with us, you know, and, and, uh, and a 13, and, you know, and, and, and in the really small skill set of a 13-year-old, what could I do? And so I, that's what became the inspiration for David. You know, his brother has com- committed suicide. And, you know, it's something outside of his control. Mm-hmm. And I think for many of us, when we feel like things outside of our control are stopping us, we want to control the world. So that we can go, you know what, let me fix it. Let me make it better, right? Like that's the problem. He wants to make the world change, Um, which many, you know, unfortunate dictators in history thought they could make the world better. But it's different with a kid because a kid's just misguided. Yeah. That's right. He's just misguided. And it's not that he, you know, becomes an evil dictator. That's not where the story goes. But like you said, he's a kid. And so he, that, he starts to face the consequences of, when you want to make the world do something, it's going to fight back. And, and then you're going to start to live with consequences that you're also not, not prepared for. Right. Of course. So, so then where in this, I'm curious too, with, with, in some of these types of stories where you have three kids, you know, you, sometimes you have a girl, you have a guy. And in this case, you have Emma, you have Atticus. What was, what led to having Emma take on the role she is as opposed to Atticus. I don't want to give too much away. I want people, I want people to read yeah. it and everything, but as opposed to this flip-flopping it, I guess. Yeah. See, I think the thing about it was, is, uh, is that um, from a simple mechanics, I kind of felt this idea that, you know, that David was in the middle and, and, you know, and Emma was a little bit more the evil angel and Atticus was a little bit more the good angel. Mm-hmm. And you start to learn more in the series, you know, that Atticus also comes from a, a really great, uh, a solid family, like this church-going fam- family from Ghana, right? Mm-hmm. Oh. And uh, which is based on my really good friend, Isaac Apia, who is this really good church-going 
guy from Ghana who's moved to the States, right? And uh, hence, I even stole the last name. He's out of this in it. <clears throat> um, and, uh, right? and that's what made me think of it. I thought, boy, you know, let me think about, you know, Isaac's son, what would, what would he be like and what would that training. And so I, I was trying to build these two worlds, one where Atticus had a structured world that had a belief system and structured parents, and Emma, who was this foster care kid, right, who had none, mm. right? And so that those two worlds would rip apart. Like she would go towards, you know, this more hate um, and violent sort of section that she goes to, and Atticus goes another way, right? Mm. And, yeah. um, and so that would put them at at odds with each other. Um, and so, so I think that that's, I think, you know, so as far as why that, that like happened, I, and I think, and I guess I felt like also too, that because there is an element of romance between David and Emma, you know, that starts on her side and, you know, there's kind of, yeah, there's a complex story with it, but um, <clears throat> that, that like, that, that she then, because of you know the 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 pathway that she chooses, which gets gets pretty dark, mm -hmm. um, she would become their her relationship with David. Then would be they, they would start to become at odds themselves. Gotcha. Um, and I think that in some ways, you know, because you've read in the first book, her choice to get revenge and reveal who she is and to like self satisfy her revenge. Where David was trying to like, hey, listen, we're doing this. We're like judges. We're impartial. We're, we're following this this code yeah and her abandoning of the code is the problem is that so much that what david was doing was wrong though though it certainly was and he realized that but but it's once that code got broken mm -hmm. that's when it, it really falls apart so i think um so you know so why were those two separated because i think that for the make the drama work they had one person living with a strong code and one without a code Right, and, and it's the reason I was so I'm I'm very interested in Emma right now as much as anybody because, um, yeah. you know, of course we're always drawn to the dark characters, like how far will they yeah. go, all these different things. But that, like, what I was kind of more going towards is like, the I feel like in the past we've always had, you know, the female character might take more of where, where Atticus is. She might try and be the voice of reason, things like right. that. And I and I love when we see situations where you know it's just it's a slight difference. But it's just enough where, to me at least, it's noticeable, and I appreciate that. You know what I mean? Oh well, That's no, I thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you say that. Yeah, and I, I think that I, uh, that I, <clears throat> that I think that I agree with you that that sometimes can be the, the the pathway. But I think um, what I come to find about humans is is um, is given the circumstances, like that Emma is in, man or woman, you're going to kind of become that, and. Um, and uh it's important to show that, that kind of stuff it's important that's right yeah. yeah and i think that also too because there are lots of women who often feel <clears throat> um maybe sometimes maybe maybe not misunderstood or misrepresented in comics or their, their voice isn't in there and i felt like well maybe that's 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 a voice that, that isn't in there and mm -hmm. uh and for somebody who can relate to that they can connect with her yeah, I, so. I I think that's fair. I mean, we, we see you know we see some some darker female characters in in stories, but in comics, but not not a ton, and not in this kind of role. I mean, that that was the more than anyone that one jumped out to me. As, Emma jumped out to me as she's different, more so than the other two. They're both I like the other two characters, but she's different. Not what we normally see. So, 
You know, it's funny that you say that because um, I was just talking with one of my producers, excuse me, uh, I just walked talking with one of my producers on Escape Tonight, a good friend of mine and business partner. And he was saying, and he would read it too. And he said, yeah, Emma's my favorite character. You know, and I think, you know, that in some ways maybe she's mine too. Um, in that, um, <clears throat> in the same way that I think maybe like, you know, speaking of a, of a musical theater reference or a book reference in Les Mis, <laughs> you love Eponine a lot more than you love Cosette, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, as silly as that is, but you, uh, I think I find myself that too. And I, and I don't want to give away what happens, but her evolution, I think, is one of the most exciting um, parts of the tale. Okay. And what she becomes and what um, her and David become. So, oh. which is really the, that's really the, the core of the, uh, the story, the core of the story. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Though I would say that Atticus, who is only lightly referenced in issue one, he has a, a piece there and he's got that bit at the end and he has a, he has something there. He really expands later because he's, uh, you know, it's like, it's like, imagine they're going off on a journey and then he comes to join their journey. So his, mm -hmm. of the journeys, he has the most time alone before he circles back around. Okay. And so, and so his, his character arc, um, if you just read issue one, you might not fully know, hey, where's that gonna go? And then in issue two, you see precise, oh, his journey is a, is a, is a different ride. So I have, I, I have no idea what to expect with him then right now based on reading issue yeah. one. Yeah, just maybe you have just a, a hint of what he can be, mm -hmm. right? Um, with the, um, but you, you just had to know that he's, he's upset, right? You, you yes. don't get where his ride is because it feels like he was just sort of an ancillary, mm -hmm. but it's not, it's not the case. He's okay. a huge character and you can kind of see from the campaign, there's some giveaway images of different art with him and you can see him and, um, and you can see that his story is much more yeah. full. Oh, okay, good. I like that. I, I, I did see the, the stuff that's the, the stuff you have in the campaign as well. And, but I, I tried to, I like, I want to look at it just to get an idea of the art. Anytime I preview anything, it's like, I just want to see a little bit. I don't want to see too much. And I, I don't think you gave yeah, anything right. away really um, in the course of it all, which is great. Um, but speaking of, speaking of how, I mean, again, the, the emphasis in all this is how cruel the world can be and everything. And, and there are right. moments in the first issue that Jorn really shows it. And, and yeah. I was curious when you guys, when, when you were writing the script form and everything, was it, had you guys already talked about like where you want to go? Like wh what's the line you draw or there is no line or how we want to handle it? Or was, did you kind of let him decide on that? Well, you know, Jordan has been my great collaborator for a long time. He's an amazing artist. And I think, you know, he was taking my lead on this. You know, sometimes he doesn't know where the issues are going to go himself, right? He's like, Adam, I can't, I'm ready to read the next script because I want to know where it goes. <laughs> um, and I think um, with him, like, you know, so we go through like a, 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 a path. Like I write the script, what's going to be in all the panels. It has the, script, the dialogue and the detail of all the panels. And he does these roughs of it and I give notes and et cetera. And I think sometimes there's a, there's a good back and forth. Like I'll push something farther and he'll be like, no, no, Adam, I don't think we should push this. And then he'll do something farther on his side. And I'll be like, oh, you're right. Maybe that's the right choice. So he's really like my foil. He's really a, a nice collaborator with me. Because sometimes I'll be like, yeah, let's push this far. And he'll be like, Adam, we're going to undermine this character. And I'm just like, oh, you're right. We, we will. So I, I think in lots of ways, he's a little bit my conscience, you know, a bit more <laughs> on this book. And so he, 
And, I, and so I think he, he's good at tempering things or doing things a little more subtly, I think. Um, and I think it's because he's, he's drawing it versus I'm trying to communicate it through a person who he gets to actually do it. So, but, yeah. Uh, but even, even then there are still moments where I, that I, there were certain things that the characters do certain acts, you know, there's, I mean, there's bullying in, involved in all this, right? Yeah. That's, that's not giving much away. I mean, that's, that's in there and you see what some, I mean, look, kids are cruel. We all know we were kids. We've seen yeah. things and whatever, but there was some stuff that I was like, damn, they, they, they really want to get the message across that how like messed up this particular school is that these kids go to and how brutal, you know, teenagers yeah. can be. That's what, that's yeah, kind of, that's nothing that caught me off guard. Yeah. Well, see, I, I think that's one thing about his truth. I think there is this pretense of the bullying is the guy gets shoved around or put in the locker. Right. Yeah. And I was, yes. I read this, you know, and, and that, that happens and that's a thing. Um, but actually there's a lot, darker stuff that really occurs in in america in the in the bullying department and i, I, re I read this this story um took place in alaska these teenage girls invited one of their girlfriends or their friends over to a slumber party and then they beat her up so badly that she almost died and she needed plastic reconstruct uh plastic surgery to reconstruct her face and they did that because they didn't feel like she liked them anymore and uh, the girls later threatened to kill her, and nothing happened with the four girls who beat her up. They, the Alaska Police Department and whatever happened in there, uh, they, they didn't, they didn't, wow. uh, they didn't arrest those girls. And um, and that girl had to rebuild her face, and obviously the trauma from that she'll live with uh, a long time, mm -hmm. right? A long time. Yeah, yeah. And th those weren't twenty-five-year-old girls. Those, you know what I mean? Or twenty-five-year-old women. Those were fifteen-year-olds. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, there, and there wasn't guys doing it who, who, you, who are just more prone to physical violence. And it, and it, was, uh, and it really struck me, that article, you know, about that, that poor girl. And, um, and that you realize that, you know, that, that <clears throat> there is this, the safe bullying that maybe lives in the MCU, right? Yeah, yeah. you know, you're right. And then there's, yeah, and, and, and that, which is, is real. And it's probably the vast, is probably a good, more the majority, but then there's the bullying that's much darker, you know, and and it which does occur. And I, you know, I remember when I was in high school, there was this girl who I was good friends with, and she had she was an amputee. She only had one leg, and you know, the guys on the wrestling team would often make fun of her for it. And um, you know, it's a, it's a sad thing. Yeah. You know, it's the that's not just like oh she got put in the locker. That's like <laughs> I mean the, yeah down no the yeah, yeah this kind of the bottom. That's, so, that's terrible. Yeah. yeah, it's several things. And so, um, you know, and I think that, you know, that they, you know, they were close friends of mine that's maybe suffered a great deal. And so I think that maybe sometimes that issue in superhero stories is always the very superficial level of bullying mm -hmm. when really it's, it gets quite dark. And, yeah. um, and so, and so, so I think that's why I, I, uh, pushed there and also do them because the violence escalates, you know, so much with, yeah once they make the list and they're going for people. And so the reactions become, you know, bigger than, than it becomes so big. Yeah. So. That combination of, of having the action though, and having the, these moments where I'm just like, shit, what is going on right now? That's, that's what I like most about this. I mean, like, again, I mean, I like Emma, the character a lot. And I'm in, generally speaking, I care most about, is there one character that I can kind of attach myself to more so than a plot or a message? But 
you, you had it all in here. And that's, and, and I think that if I, if anybody asked me, why should I read the eighth? I would say it's because you're going to have those cool, fun action moments that you would want in a superhero type com- type comic. You're going to get, you're going to get some jarring stuff. And, and, and I think that's what makes this so unique. There's just all those elements going on. And then you have Jordan who's drawing it. And I'm curious, I know you guys work together a lot and he's your, was your, he's your storyboard artist, right? You said, yeah, yeah, yeah so absolutely. Now, did you, when you were just, you know, figuring out, all right, this is how I'm going to write this and everything and who, who I want for art, did you decide on him just, I know his art and I'm going with him, or did you look at his art and say, his art fits well for the story I'm telling? Because it, to me, I look at it, it's like, this is perfect for like a, a teenager type story. It fits very well. You know, it's so funny that you say that because um, it is, um, in um i i have um and unbeknownst to most people i i i wrote i had this comic book done once already the first issue oh. uh, with another artist and um and he was fantastic and they were uh, going through a very tough time in life they were transitioning you know genders and um and some things they had some complications in their life and um unfortunately uh there was they were unable to do artwork anymore and gotcha. so, um, and, and, um, and that, that, that fell apart and I really cared for this person and, and, uh, but, but it, it, it fell apart. So, you know, speaking of there's been some tragedy around it. Yeah. Um, and they had built that in, in a, in a very different style. And Jordan and I had started to work about this time together. And, and what I like so much about Jordan's work is, is it's, um, is it has this great, um, um, <clears throat> Uh, like it has this fun factor to it it's a you know in the sense that it feels like oh this is fun but then it also has kind of this sexiness and this violence to it and then we added a lot of these the paint textures i had them add to make it feel a little bit grittier and um and there was something nice about that because it made it more digestible and not as um haunting right for Mm -hmm. it to be as as real and it also wasn't maybe jim lee who I, I think is you know the greatest artist of all time in comics, right? He's the best. Yeah. He's done so much, um, but where 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 people are fictitiously um, magnificent, right? Yeah, yeah. So that our characters were um, felt a little bit more real to life, um, and so I think that maybe there was like when I saw when I looked at his art, and I thought out the story. I'm like, there's a dark tale told by somebody whose art isn't quite as dark, mm-hmm. so it will help balance it out so that it it doesn't get lost. Like the message yeah. doesn't get lost and it's too dark and we lose the message. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. Dude, well, it's interesting is the, for me at least, uh, have you heard of the show? I think it's daybreak on Netflix. Have you heard of that? Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so I watched, I, I, I don't, as far as I know, there's only one season so far that's out. And I, I watched that a while back and all before this pandemic stuff. And I, when I watched that and then I read this, I instantly got, uh, very different stories, but I got that similar vibe that you're talking about where it's like, there's a, like a funness to it and there are fun moments in that show and everything. But then you'll have one moment where it's like, what the hell's going on? And shit got dark really fast. And, and I feel like Joran, I mean, your writing of course plays a big part in yeah. that, but I feel like with Joran's art too, it, it reflects that extremely well where it's just in a moment, it, things get dark and you had no idea it was coming. That's right. And, uh, and I think that that is like, that, that's one thing when I looked at what he does, I was like, aha, 
I think this is the perfect match. Mm-hmm. Even though it's a little, to, it's a, like you're saying, it's like the daybreak, it's a left hook. You think you're getting this and then you get that, but then you get boom every now and again. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Not to say, and I'm not saying, I'm not putting my stamp of approval on Daybreak. I haven't watched that in a while, just so everybody knows that's listening. It's, these yeah. are not at all the same thing. It's just there's yeah. the teenager element and everything. Um, yeah. I have, so anyways, um, the one last thing before we, we talk about where people can find this and everything, you, ha- you say it on your Indiegogo that you have three issues left to write still, right? That's right. So it's an eight-issue arc, and Jordan and I have spent the last two years making the first five. Okay. And, um, you know, and it's, it's like, who, who does that? Who makes five issues and then launches it? But <laughs> I, I think that, that instead of one, but we thought, you know, stories, eight issues, nobody's ever going to wait for that. And so I just been paying them out of my pocket and, and we've just been taking this ride for the last couple of years. Um, yeah. Now's a good, now's a good time as any to do it. People want stuff and people are trying yeah. to figure things out. So do, my, my big question with this is I don't want to know how it ends. Obviously I want to read the whole thing, but yeah. do you already know how it all ends? Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Cause I feel like sometimes people, I know it's eight issues. So you have that finite amount already, but it, did you, did you know when, when did you figure out how it was going to end? Like what issue, what point? Before I started it. Gotcha. Before I started okay. it. So I, I Makes mapped sense. it out early on, um, you know, what, where it was going to be. And it was going to be 10 issues initially. And then I thought that's a ridiculous. You can't have a show called the eight and it's 10 issues. It's just the eight. <laughs> Uh, a comic book, it's a comic book that is 10 issues. It's called The Eighth. It needs to be eight issues. And which my artist thought was great too, just because of time, yeah. et cetera. And so, uh, so that's why it became eight issues. And then, um, and so early on, I, I mapped out sort of the key parts. And, but then each time I write an issue, new ideas come and new things happen and, and, and it shifts. But the, but the broad strokes still remain. And so how we close close this section of the story um it's, it's it's clear gotcha okay so now so for people who are interested who want to who want to read the story who want to learn more about the story um you guys can all find it on indiegogo there's a video attached there as well that we'll be tweeting out all the information and everything and put it in the um in the write-up of the episode too in in you can see it all on here. There are different packages too. There's the monthly digital issue package, the hardcover edition with the digital. Then there's the t-shirt, which looks awesome, by the way. I don't, did, I'm assuming that I'm assuming that uh, you guys designed that, right? Jordan right. designed that. Right. Okay. Yeah. All, um, all these, all these are Jordan and I's work. You know, like I built all those things in Photoshop, you know, and and put put that all together. And and I thought that you know, like the digital issue thing, I thought, you know, because we're so far ahead on the issues you could get it monthly. Uh, how often you get to back something that then starts coming to you monthly. Mm-hmm. So, so those will, so if people, those will start coming out then next month to people or the following month. Uh, yeah. So it'll work out is once the campaign ends, gotcha. right. And then, then it takes 30 days for the, like the money to close on the account gotcha. and then you can start doing stuff. And so then what we would do is that after that month, then people would, everybody who's backed it would get a digital issue every month. And then, by the time they start to reach issue six, we'll already have it done, seven and eight, et cetera. Nice. And, then, and then we'll have sent it off to printers. So people can get a really and a sort of immediate taste of this story right away, uh, which is exciting. Yeah. At least I think. No, it, it, you know, I, I, can't, I can't say enough that I really enjoyed reading this. Is there anything else with the Indiegogo stuff that, that's important to highlight that I'm, that I'm glossing over a little bit too much on? 
Um, I don't, I don't think so. I think you've hit it right. Like we have a cool t-shirt, you know, Jordan and I worked a while. We've done many iterations of that design. Um, that's so cool. And I feel like that's such a cool thing about the geek world is you can, you can rep your, your, uh, your stories that are yours. And, um, and, and then there's the, the, the you know, the mid middle tier is the, the beautiful hardcover edition with a slipcase and hopefully we hit, hit a stretch goal and get it embossed and do spot UV. But if not, you know, you get something that you can go home with and uh, something that you can sit on your coffee table and talk about when people come over. Cause that's the, one of the best parts of comics, right? Is you get to talk about them. Definitely. Definitely. Adam, I really appreciate you taking some time to talk about, uh, talk about this awesome story. The eighth, everybody go check it out. Check out Indiegogo. Um, look out for the review. It, w- there will be one up on geeks worldwide. Um, but good luck with everything. Man. I really appreciate it. Oh, Hey, thanks. Nick. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you.